Hello and welcome to a new edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. We're under a different format and a new audio-only setup that should make it easier to access our podcast. But nonetheless, I am still the same Cesar Hernandez stepping in for Wiso Vasquez. Uh, and as we kick off tonight's podcast, we're going to start with today's big question. And here it is. If you could select one Liga Mekis manager to coach your team, whether it be a real one or a hypothetical one, who would it be and why? And we're going to start with my co-host for today, Tom Marshall. Tom, who would you select? Well, I say so, yeah. We, ha- we have to start with me because there's no one else today, is there? <laughs> no, it's just it's just you and me, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you and me. But um, yeah, no, I think, um, I think I'd go Diego Alonso. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I think he's, you know, he's, he's relatively young. Um, I think his style is kind of more modern. You know, I like that high pressing style. I think he's, um, I don't know, I like his I like his ideas. I think he's a bright, smart, younger coach. And I think he's the type of guy, for example, that could go um, and coach in, say, the Spain, you know, quite, quite comfortably. Um, whereas some of the others, I'm not sure how they would do outside of Mexico. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'd go Alonso. I think, uh, well, let what what do you think first, and then we can discuss? Well, actually, some you, know, you, know, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one more question because Tom, that's a great answer, but you didn't even tell us the team, man. What 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 team is he managing? Are you, is it is it Rochdale? Is it what, what team is is he taking charge of here? It's gonna take Rochdale to the Premier League <laughs> within three years. <laughs> are they they're in? Are they are they in? Is it League One? League yeah, one. League One. Um, yeah, it's actually they're actually they punch above the weight really because they're probably a fourth division club really. But they're in the third division, so um, so yeah. Uh, but I think with Diego Alonso, I think Premier League within within three years. I'll give him three years, you know. Uh, if he up, doesn't make it, I'll just fire him. <laughs> up, uh, up the dale, down the ale. Uh, for me, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna choose. I'm, I'm, for me, I'm, this is more of a, a, a you know a hypothetical slash dream team. I've joked around and said that if I was to ever start a soccer team, it'd be called Chilaquiles FC. And yeah, that's the name of, of my team on FIFA Pro Clubs. But anywho, we'd play to Stadio de Sayuno. We would literally be located. We'd literally be located on the border. Halfway line on the field is literally going to be on the border. I know it's going to be beautiful. People could write songs about it. But anywho, El Fierno. El Fierno. Where are we going to play? El Infierno. What's next week? El Desayuno. It's hardly like. I don't. I don't think. I don't think players would fear going there, would they? <laughs> no, nah, man. But they definitely go in there a little hungry. But uh, I think. Okay. So this is clearly going to be in the near future when there's going to be a Liga Mekis slash MLS Super League. So I need someone with experience in both of you know both of those tournaments, and someone with a bit of a star appeal too, and someone who has an attractive style of play as well. So I'm going with Matias Almeida. I, I'm going to go with Almeida as a, as, as a manager. Yeah. League now? No, but he's coached. Okay, so we should have been more specific about this question because when you sent me uh, this question, uh, I thought it was anybody who's coached in League of Mackey. So you mean? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. So no, okay, no, so... no, no, no. It's, 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 yeah, no, no. Almeida would be good. Almeida would be a good choice. Yeah, yeah. But also, I mean, Diego Alonso would obviously be a fantastic option right there. Although I think some Rialdos fans are we're a little uneasy with him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah I, think, I think, you know, obviously he's got that. And and I think you know we'll see how he does in this classical regio coming up in the semis. But he does have the tendency to kind of sit back, drop back, and um, kind of hold on to leads. You know what I mean? And I think I, I don't know. I think 
I honestly think culturally in Mexico, people really, really are against that. It's almost like a, an affront to, you know, football as a, you know, as a spectator sport, as there to entertain, you know what I mean? And I think that's, I think that's a different difference in Mexican football compared to other places where there are more kind of, no, we just have to win however, you know what I mean? And the fans are satisfied just by winning however. I think in Mexico, from well, from my experience, um, you know, the, the way that the way that you win is is important as well. Yeah, I think who was I think I've brought this up before in the Mexican soccer show, but I was talking to Landon Donovan about playing in Liga Mekis. Your buddy he, Landon. My good buddy Landon, San Diego soccer is uh, a superstar. But yeah, that he was saying that like he would have loved the league if he was younger because he was like he said it was just incredible how attack minded it is, and he's like it's just five players defending five players attacking and that's all it yeah. is just like fi- throw five numbers forward that it's just so high so such high intensity that just like yeah. week in and week out yeah no definitely definitely no i mean uh, the reason i thought about the question actually was um yeah was actually miguel herrera you know i thought you know yeah. maybe people out there um it would just be interesting to see which which ones people you know on, on the mexican soccer show twitter would would like as well because i don't know i just i was just looking at the Herrera's record recently, as I was writing my preview um, for America against León, and it's like if you exclude exclude the 2016 Clausura, which was if you remember when he when Herrera came in and and took over Cholos, mm-hmm. and they were terrible, and you know he was basically getting the the team back on the feet. Mm-hmm. So that that team that that year, I think they finished 13th, 14th. But in the in the in the other ten past seasons that Miguel Herrera's managed a, a, a club in Liga MX, they've finished no lower than fifth. And this was the this season was the lowest finishing place. And they've reached the semi-final at least eight times. So eight yeah. out of ten seasons, or eight out of eleven if you include that other one, he's reached a semi-final. I mean, I know I know most of those are kind of, you know, with Club America and you know, they've spent a lot of money and, and you'd expect them to kind of you know, to be up there, you know what I mean. But but that level of consistency is—I don't know—that it's it's amazingly impressive that when you you know when you look at the numbers like that. But I don't think most people would pick Miguel Herrera, if you know what I mean. If they if you were to say which which manager would you pick for your team, like well, we didn't. <laughs> well, the issue too is because when you I think when you talk to Mexican soccer fans, when you bring up Herrera, like what comes to mind immediately when you bring up Bioko Herrera? Like uh, maybe yeah. maybe that's it's it's the it's the it's the off-the-field stuff or perhaps the, the sideline stuff that comes to mind when you think of Bioko Herrera. And maybe that's why he doesn't seem like the most sophisticated, you know, progressive 21st century manager. Maybe, maybe that's why. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, I think that he, I, that has hindered him. But just in terms of raw results, it's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, I don't know. There, there's not... I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else I'd like to see more in Mexican football than Miguel Herrera manage outside of Mexico. Oh Honestly, like be... in Europe, it could be MLS, but you know, just to—is he how good is he? I mean, yeah. those stats are, are amazingly good. Uh, I think somebody tweeted at me, I can't remember who, and they said, um, they they said the amount of points he's won. I, I don't know. I think um, I think it's like twenty-nine points is the the least he's got while at, with at Club America. It's like I don't know, but is he that good? Can he translate somewhere else, or or is it a very specific Mexico thing? I mean. He must be good, you know. He must be a very, very good manager. So, or even uh, with Cholos, I mean, like, yeah, you, like you said, like, yeah, when he went over there, he didn't have the best first season. But you know what happened those two seasons afterwards? Like, Cholos were in first place, two consecutive, 
yeah, two consecutive seasons right there. Well, Tom, let's let's dive into it. So just really quickly, for, you know, for today's podcast, we're going to be talking about obviously Liga Meki semis, maybe talk a little bit about the quarterfinals. Uh, we're going to be looking ahead to America versus Leon, Tigres Monterrey. Talk a little Mexican national team news, uh, maybe about uh, the press conference that is supposed to be held tomorrow. Uh, maybe even talk a little bit, uh, wrap things up with some chat on uh, Raul Jimenez and Chicharito. Our thoughts on the, you know, their for their their recent EPL tournament. But Tom, let, let's dive into America versus Leon. Let's just, let's just kind of continue this uh, this Biojo talk. So, so I know what you're about to say there, but what else comes to mind when you're when you're thinking about this this uh, this America side? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think they were lucky in, in the quarterfinal second leg. Yeah, man. because yeah. I think I don't know. I, I was. I was surprised at Cruz Azul. I mean, I thought I thought the reaction to him losing 3-1 in the first leg was exaggerated. Um, you know, I thought they actually started the first leg pretty brightly. And then, you know, America clicked. Let's, you know, America clicked into gear. And let's not forget that the reigning champions are a very, very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they managed to get the, the, the three goals, 3-1 up, going into the second leg. And then you're thinking, what is... Th- I was thinking, what, is, this, is this Cruz Azul team behind Pedro Caixinha? You know, yeah. are, are they with him or not? Because he is he is a kind of bit of a dictator, a bit someone who can get under his skin, you know what I mean? And and, and I'm sure players, there's a few players who really don't like him. Um, but, you know, could, could he motivate him for that second leg? And after that second 90 minutes, it was like that Marchesin save from Pablo Aguilar in the very last <sighs> yeah. seconds. I mean, that was like, you know, in mouth time, wasn't it? I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. But, um, but to be honest, if you look at the game and... You know, look at the stats as well. Cruz Azul were good enough to score to win by two goals there. Yep. They did enough. They did enough on paper. They just didn't put the ball in the net. So America completely got away with it. So, um, so yeah, looking forward to this um, to the second to the to the semifinal now. I mean, the way I see it, America need to react from that from that Cruz Azul series. I mean, I thought. I don't know. It was a it was a very poor performance. I thought they missed Edson Alvarez in midfield as kind of to, to kind of anchor alongside Guido Rodriguez. Um, but yeah, I mean on the on the other side, the I mean Leon. When you look at it now, they, they've been so much better than every other team this tournament. I mean, it's just not it's not like they're the best team. It's like they are by far the best team. I mean, fifteen out of nineteen games won. Um, they're going to take some stopping, and I, I'm. Honestly, really excited about this because um, Leon, obviously, the, the main candidates for the title, they have to be with what they've achieved this season. Oh, yeah. um, and, and they impressed me greatly against Cholos. I'm sure you know we can go over that game as well. Um, but I, I almost feel it's like kind of just that they have to go up against the reigning champion. You okay. know what I mean? And if okay. you get to the final, Tigres and Monterrey, again, you can't argue that if, they, if Leon won, win the title from here, they've had an easy ride because, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, I'm just really excited about it. Yeah, and really quickly, so for those who don't know, so it's uh, uh, Globe America versus Leon semifinals. So the first leg is going to be in Mexico City on Wednesday, and then the second leg is going to be in Leon on Saturday night. And yeah, Tom, I, I think I think uh, from the from the four finalists, the team that I was most impressed by has been Leon. And I mean, maybe uh, I, I think granted they did go up against Cholos. Cholos were clearly the weakest playoff team, but. I mean, watching Leon, I was just so extremely impressed, not just because of the way that they played, but in all honesty, I don't even think that they're playing at their hardest. I don't even feel like uh, they're even at their very best against Cholos. Ankel Mena was fairly quiet, and they still demolished Tijuana. I mean, just the way that they held on to possession, I mean, just their efficiency in front of net, the way that they hit Tijuana on counters. I mean, with that, 
what that said to me watching them um, recently was that they are very, very, very well-oiled machine. And I think you have to get a lot of credit to Ignacio Ambriz because once again, it, it didn't even seem like they had to really be at full strength. They didn't even really had to be at 100% to really waltz past Tijuana. And, and, and Tijuana gave them no real trouble either. So I think that's going to be really, really interesting to see, you know, Leon stepping up a little bit. As weird as that sounds, because I really felt like they weren't at 100% their best against Schultz. Like, they really didn't even need to try that well to sneak past them, or not sneak past them, but just demolish mm-hmm. them with a 5-2 to two aggregate scoreline. And of course, yeah. the good news for Leon is that Macias is going to be sticking around too until the end of the semis. Yeah, no. But I mean, I honestly thought the that Cholos would provide a challenge. You know, I just thought it was one of those series that you thought, at least I thought, you know. Oh, dude, I, I, I said that too. I said that too. People were giving me a lot of crap online, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I just thought, especially that first leg, Stadio Caliente, the artificial pitch, you know, the crowd up there can be intense, you know, um, coming straight off the back of the last game of the of the regular season. It's, it's tricky. Uh, but the way they just kind of swatted aside T1, I think I think they you know deserve a lot of credit for. But but yeah, no, I agree. And I think you know Mena Mena season is ridiculous by whatever way you look at it. I mean, you know, he wasn't even the best in the sem- in the quarterfinals. He had two assists. You know what I mean? Yeah. He made two assists. Like that's a that's a, a you know a, a goal a game in terms of you know what he's. I but mean, for, I think it's but yeah, for standards it's, for standards that we saw for the regular season. Yeah, that's yeah, still good. I, I just yeah yeah. yeah. I mean, I think if you combine combine the goals and assists, he's played 19 games this season, and combined goals and assists is 26. <laughs> so he's like contributing to like 1.5 goals a game, just one player. But no, but I, I, but the thing is that the thing about Mena, he wasn't that he wasn't amazing against Cholos. But then you've got other players stepping up. Yeah. I mean, Joel yeah. Campbell scored twice. Um, JJ Macias, and you know he, he scored a goal every 118 minutes. That's that's almost a goal a game, or you know, it's not far off a goal a game, and that's one of the best averages out of any player in the league this season. I think perhaps only Caraglio from Cruz Azul is better than that, if I remember rightly. So, you know, I don't know. There's something about Leon when you watch them, especially when they enter that final third. They just there's a kind of one-touch football. They know where each other are. There's a confidence, and and there's kind of a, a joy, a happiness. You know, I don't know. They play. They're happy. You know what I mean. They want to play with each other. They enjoy playing with each other, um, and and that's come through. So, um, you know, th- this game against America. I don't know. I-, I said I think before the second legs. You know, the ideal situation would be a Leon America and Tigres Monterrey. I mean, for the for the neutral, and and we've got it. And I think that um, you know, I think America are perfectly capable of going through. Let's not forget that right. America is a very very good team. Nico Castillo needs to step up. He was pretty poor against Cruz Azul. In fact, if I remember rightly, at halftime, when you look at the kind of average positions, you know, on, on sofa score, and Nico Castillo was like, he hasn't had enough participation to get an average position. And it was like, <laughs> oh my God, that's that's terrible. <laughs> Dude, but going back to Leon, one thing I wanted to bring up is because one player we haven't mentioned yet, and it's someone, it's just, just they have one of the most dangerous attacking options off the bench. They have Ruben Sambuesa. They could have someone like Sambu come off the bench. And against Cholos, I mean, just like Cholos looked knackered. They looked tired. And then in the first match, I, th- I think Rubens came on. I think it was, it had to have been like the, the, uh, like the 60-something minute. It was like the 66th minute he came on, and then he immediately scored a goal. And that second leg, he came on around like the 60th minute as well. And then he just brought, he just brought so much energy and intensity into the game. I mean, and if, if that happens again against Amerika, what's fascinating too is just, 
not only the introduction of Rubens onto the field. Obviously, he's quite a veteran and quite a player who is a, I don't know, a lot of creativity and a good passing. But just the fact that he's been going up against America, I, I think there's just there's just so much intrigue behind that. And you think, you know, how scrappy is it going to be? Is it going to be? Is he potentially going to get a yellow? Is he potentially a little physical against his former side? And I I, I find it to be really fascinating to see some West up against uh, America. That's going to be really exciting for me. Yeah, he he always worries me though. <laughs> Oh, as yeah. good as he is when he oh, gets yeah. the ball and what he does, but especially when he's in one of these emotional games, he, he seems like he's never matured kind of in that sense. And he does play the game. He loves kind of playing on the edge, doesn't he? And trying to get the other players sent off. And, and often he gets sent off in the process. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, as a sub to come on, I mean, I think a lot of Leon, Leon fans earlier in the season when he got injured were kind of like lamenting the fact that he was out and that, you know, how the how how are they going to replace him? But um but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just all come together right now for Leon. I mean, if you look at even even Chapito Montes, arguably in his best form since what, 2013, 14, I mean, that guy is absolutely flying as well. Well say Ivan um, Rodriguez too. What a player. I was very, very impressed by him. The midfielder he, right there for yeah. yeah and, and and I'm surprised people haven't talked about him in the national team context more, yeah. you know, because yeah. he, he is, he has been, he is low key. He's a low key player. He's a low key, even on the field. He doesn't, he doesn't do things that make you think, wow, look at that. Look at that pass. He's passed it 40 yards and, you know, he's put the guy through, but he, he sweeps up. I mean, if you look at the other players they've got, you know, Montes as a, as a midfielder is, is attacking. He's the one who kind of pins this team together. Um, yeah. It's also notable, notable as well. Fernando Navarro, who, who, who will probably be named the best right back this season, but he's been cutting inside and kind of doing the kind of Pep Guardiola, Philip Lam, kind of like <laughs> another body in midfield, you know, um, you know, to try to try to try and um, you know, in an offensive way to to have a, another body to play out from the back, and then um, you know, defensively to to stop opposition midfield having numeric super superiority over 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 your center of midfield so i don't know things like that have been fascinating and it, going back to what you said about nacho ambris i mean he, he does deserve a lot of credit for that yeah. i mean uh, he's doing things that you know we don't usually associate with with mexican coaches um and honestly cesar i, I don't know if he's got enough credit i mean obviously no, let's not see all. what he does not now here yeah. on in but this is an absolute historic season and and i don't know i, don't, I guess it's one of the a bit annoying things about the Mexican game and the Mexican media is that, you know, I'm, I, I include myself in this, by the way. You know, this is sometimes... Yeah, you Tom, know, you're so a part, but come on, come on. <laughs> so I'm contradicting myself, but, you know, we don't give him enough attention. You know what I mean? We don't... Even the Tigres and Monterrey and Leon and, you know, it's still even now, it's, you know, people are talking more about Cruz Azul and them going out than, like, kind of Leon doing well. You know, and even Pumas with... Um, Chucho Ramirez coming back, and it's almost like they're still getting more press than like Leon and and you know and Leon doing so well. So, uh, but I mean, with yeah, that backline because I think I think with Ambrisu because like I I mean I'm still a little surprised when you look at the central defenders that Leon have. You look at that goalkeeper. I'm still I, I still don't think Cota is a a, a top top quality league of like his goalkeeper. When I look at the central defenders for Leon. You know, Mosquera, Ramiro Gonzalez. I mean, I mean Mosquera's fine, but Mosquera's average in, in my mind. But, but Ramiro Gonzalez isn't exactly that, that great. Uh, Miguel Herrera, the other central defender, I don't think he's that fantastic. And yet, you know, Ambriz has organized the side to have 
some of the best defensive numbers in the regular season. Actually, I think they did have the best defensive numbers in the regular season as well. Everyone talked about the attack, but they did extremely well defensively too. You know, and you also, I mean, even the quarterfinals, I thought Scholes were going to give them a little bit of trouble. Maybe they could have capitalized on, on that, you know, somewhat, I know, I think uh, for me, I think it's a back line that could be, you know, taken over. But, I mean, Scholes struggled with them. You know, so I, I think Ambris has to be given credit for that as well, for organizing the side to have to be very good defensively too. Yeah, for sure. But now now this is the test now. This is, you yeah. know, it doesn't get much more big, much bigger than, you know, going to the Azteca Wednesday night. You know, getting going in there. I mean, it's a difficult place. Actually, I think Leon won three three nil last time they played. I think in February, and then going back to 2013, it was actually um, Leon won the title in the Azteca against America. So, so there are a, few, a couple of good memories. But I mean, this is different now. This is kind of, you know, Leon's record of, of what was it, 12 consecutive wins. You know, that yeah. that'll be there. But nobody, nobody. People only talk about those records when there's another team getting close to it. It's not like everybody's talking about who the champion is. So, I don't know. It sounds harsh to say, but, I mean, Leon now have to see it through. Um, All right, so, so what are our predictions for this series, then? What, 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 are, we think, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I think I think Leon. I mean, I, I just think America have been too inconsistent. I think they got away with it against Cruz Azul. Are, is America capable of putting together 180 minutes and knocking out Leon? Of, of course they are, but... In 2019, you know, I don't think they've shown that consistency. I think they've shown weaknesses. And, and if there's one thing Leon have, have, um, have, have demonstrated, it's they've got a killer instinct. I mean, they, if if, uh, if a team has a weakness, they absolutely they, they know how to exploit it. So um, so I, th- I think Leon will, will keep going and then and, and reach the final. You? Yeah, I think I think it, I was still kind of feeling up in the air about it. But the fact that Leon's going to be able to keep Macias until the end of the semis and the fact that it looks like Edson Alvarez is still recovering from his injury. I mean, who knows? It doesn't seem like he's be ready for the midweek match. I have no idea for the, for the second leg, but who knows if he'll be ready for that, but just those two variables coming into mind. uh, And the fact that I think Leon looked better in the quarterfinals, I feel like Leon should, you know, have the advantage here. So I'm going to go to Leon. I think it's going to be closer uh, than the, the series against Cholos just because Cholos were, you know, or fairly weak against uh, Leon, but I think yeah, Leon narrowly, narrowly uh, scraped by and uh, qualify for the for the final right there. That, that that's what I'm thinking. There we go. Then we've got Leon to go through, and then who do we think to join them? Tigres against uh, uh, Aaron. To Aaron. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> all right, quickly... that, and, that, and that 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 wraps up our Tigres versus Monterrey. <laughs> just just go and watch a video of the Concacaf Champions League final and make your own conclusions. <laughs> do, you think, do you think there are any players from both sides who like just like let out a frustrated sigh and they're just like, ah, come on, not again? Like really? Like I like I'm like up against it. Like I mean, yeah, like there's a lot of excitement about this matchup and this series, but after just facing each other semi recently, it just like the emotional intensity that goes into that. Do you think there are any players that are just like, oh my god, that might be like dreading this series? I I know they should be excited, but just yeah, uh, that must be so difficult for these players to go through this again over two. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I don't know. I just think this game, um, this classical regio now is. I don't know. It's almost like um, the fact that it's a semi-final is almost like a letdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's almost like, oh crap, it's a semi. You know, and I don't feel. I know it's early in the in the build-up, but I've not felt the hype. 
you know, the, the kind of beforehand. And, and maybe because they're playing the same day, they're both playing on the Wednesday, which is, for me, I, I just cannot understand it. I think it's, I don't know. I, I just oh, don't now, know idea. now we can all watch Game of Thrones eh? on Sunday, Tom. Now, now there's no Game of Thrones, <laughs> no, no League of Mickey stuff uh, you know, running into Game of Thrones on Sunday. Thank you, thank you, teams. That's, that's what's happening there. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't, for, for the start, America kick off at 7.30. I can guarantee you, that in the st- it's not it won't be anywhere near full at that time, because a lot you know in Mexico, you know um, people leave work generally at 7 p.m. and then you leave at 7 p.m. and to get to the Estadio Azteca to park up to do I mean they're not going to get there in time, so I mean I don't know it's not good for that and also you've got the second game starting at 10:36 Eastern, I mean it's it's good for people on the on the West Coast but you know 10:36 Eastern it's, you know I don't I don't know how. Too many people that'll be, you know, watching that on on the East Coast. So I don't know, but anyways, it is what it is. Um, you know, it's interesting to actually Kaishini complain about that. No, I mean yeah. the, the fact that we don't know when the games are until, you know, until Monday afternoon, and it is it is ridiculous. I've just got no idea why it isn't kind of established before the season. I mean, well, let's, I, let's, know, let's, seems... I think some people well, might be interested because I feel like that's kind of like a. Uh, something that like isn't really like explained a lot, but like for from my understanding, the the way it is, it's just basically it's it's the highest the, the highest seeded team on Monday. Basically, they're the ones who get to decide uh, what uh, day they want uh, or whether they want a Wednesday or Saturday or a Thursday or Sunday, correct? And then it goes down to the to to the lower seeded teams who are hosting games, right? Is that how it goes? I, at least that's yeah. that was my understanding. Yeah, no, the higher seed gets the, you know, but but there's also a negotiation. So it's not like, you know, we're gonna, definitely going to do this. You know, they'll negotiate with the TV companies, but they do it all on the Monday. So it's like, you know, the semifinalists on the Sunday night, but you don't know when they're going to play. And then on Monday, they all get together with the League MX, the TV companies, both teams, and they kind of thrash out, right, when we're going to play, you know, and the debate, and there's going to be arguments. And, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. In this case, it's like Tigres always play on a Saturday night and Leon always play on a Saturday night. So it was like, I don't know. I think that both teams went for it. But and I know TV companies are, have a big say as well about going to play. So, uh, so yeah. But I mean, I, I'd prefer that day in between because I feel like you can hype the games more you know, oh, yeah. during the day and you've got another day for that second one. Whereas, whereas when they're both together, it's like you just flick over to the next game, and it's like I don't know. Sometimes before well, a game, still feels, like to... it still feels like the quarterfinals, you know, because like it gets a little bit more exciting when it's the semis. You're just like, all right, today yeah. we're just focusing on this one match. You could tell it's a little bit more serious because it's just one match in one day. But yeah, it's gonna it's gonna overlap a little bit. And yeah, no, the America Leon's gonna be five thirty p.m. Pacific time, and that's fine for everyone. But like you mentioned, just Monterrey Tigres, you know, on Wednesday night, seven thirty-six. You know, even on the West Coast, I'm gonna be feeling a little sleepy by the time that game's over. <laughs> I can't even imagine <laughs> for people, for people you know in Monterrey or all of Mexico or on the East Coast. So yeah, no, that's that's yeah. a, a little interesting with the schedule there. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, going back to the you know the 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 hype around the game. I mean, I don't know. This game now is is becoming you know just in 2019. You know, we've got the the Clásico Regio Femenil final yeah. going on. You know, we've had the Concacaf Champions League final. Which obviously uh, Monterrey ended up winning, and and now we've got these two teams meeting in the semi-final, and it's like, I don't know, it, it's just a demonstration of the power that these clubs have now as well. I mean, it's just, it's an, it's almost a guarantee that they're going to make the playoffs, both of them. 
And if once they're both there within the top eight, then there's a, there's a strong likelihood that at some point they're going to play each other. So although you know the 2017 Apertura was the first and only time these clubs have met in a final, in a Liga MX final, I, I can see it happening. And if you get the next five years, I would not surprise me one bit if there's two or three. I well, mean, the, go on. Go on. Oh, so the issue is, is they weren't exactly that dominant in the quarterfinals, though. Like if we're talking about what's like, if we're talking about like the recent uh, series, I mean. I mean, I mean, let's talk. Let's talk Tigres because I don't know. I feel like people have already had this conversation before. I feel like people talk about it a lot. I've seen fans complain about it, but is there just something like way too casual about Tigres's playing style? I don't, yeah, they had three hundred eighty. I think it was they had three hundred eighty plus passes uh, in each uh, quarterfinal match, and they had more possession over Pachuca. I mean, but they. I don't know. Just I, I feel like I, I wanted to see a little bit more intensity. I feel like they. They they Tuca was just playing with fire just a little too much and just to sneak by that two to two aggregate draw you know because they had one one uh, draw in each game I don't know I I, I feel like I, I expected the just to step up just a little bit more or to really make a mark after they lost that CCL final yeah I mean I think they, I think they, I think I think I, I give a lot of credit to Martin Martin Palermo because I think yeah, I think sure. that I think he he kind of won me over in that series. Um, I mean, Tigres only went through because of the higher finishing position. But uh, in the first game, I thought they they were all over Tigres. Obviously, took a risk. He went out and attacked, and um, and they should have been they should they should have won that game. I mean, they should have won the first leg. And then going to the second leg, um, they basically they they weren't ultra attacking, but they kind of pinned Tigres back. I mean, they they they, they sat they went high up the pitch. They kept Tigres away from the goal. Um, and and Tigres kind of were just playing it around in their own half. So they, yeah, yeah, they had the possession. But if you look at the you know the average position, especially in the first half, Pachuca's players were in Tigres's half, and Tigres I think only Gignac was in the opposition half in terms of average position, which tells you the story of the game. You know, you put the then the percentage stats in there, and it's like Tigres had the ball, but they had the ball in their own half, and yeah. Pachuca were just plugging away, pressing, 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 trying to stop and play it out, and Tigres struggled with it. You know, and and and. It was only a defensive error, really, very late on, um, that allowed Andre Piergignac to, to to head in, that that enabled uh, Tigres to go through because they were on the ropes. I thought pa- pa- Palermo, Palermo's tactics for that game and his strategy to, to how to defeat Tigres was absolutely top notch. To be honest, I thought yeah. that's that's the antidote, and I think that's the other thing we're seeing, Cesar, with with Tigres as well. We're seeing teams wising up to him. You know what I mean? I, th- I think Ferretti with, you know, with the with the two Quinones, um, I think he knows that as well, and I think they're employed to be a bit more direct, you know, to give the team a bit more kind of um, dynamism down the wings, so that it's not just you know Tuka Taka Tuka Taka, but also like they've got that, <laughs> you know, they've got that they've got the outlet down the wings as well because Dam doesn't seem to have worked out, Aquino's been struggling with injuries, and I think those two players were supposed to be. So they could be a little bit more direct, but at the same time, it's it's he's not Tuka's not going to rad, radically change the the style of this team, and um, and I think I think other teams are seeing weaknesses now, to be honest. Yeah, for for a few minutes there, it looked like Pachuca was about to go through because remember, they, so they got that 81st minute goal from Uncle Sagal. Uh, it looked like they're about to, you know, at that point they were up two to one on aggregate. And if it wasn't like you said, if it was for that defensive mistake or that good pass from from Rafael Carioca as well, I mean, obviously. It took a defensive mistake to to go through, but it was quite the lob right there from the central midfielder right there for Tigres and the the good finish from Gignac. Because were it not for that opportunity, then we'd be talking about 
what a, what a great job Pachuca did. What a great job, you know, Edwin Cardona did for this side. Because we were, it, it could have been very, very close to us having that conversation about Pachuca and praising Pachuca, as opposed to talking about Tigres not being that impressive and, you know, just kind of like, you know, just narrowly making their way into the semifinal round. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, just as an aside, Edwin Cardona is back. I mean, make no mistake about it. Yeah. I mean, that guy now, um, I think it was nine assists for the season, but, you know, the, I think the number of key passes, I think he was top, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and obviously, Angel Mena is the player of the season. You had Brian Fernandez as well, who did so well with Nakaxa, Caraglio, Cruz Azul. Um, but really, Edwin Cardona is, is up there in the conversation as, you know, top 10, top five best players of the season. Easily. Um, and, he, and I just love watching him. You know, he's one of those players, just, I don't know, one of those players that I, I say kind of, he sees passes. No, he plays passes that you don't even see. Yeah. You know, you, you're watching there. And even when you watch live and you're like, okay, you know, just you're not thinking of it every second of the game. But, you know, when you're following a game, you're like, the player gets the ball. You kind of, you're weighing up the options that he's got. You know what I mean? And then Cardona will just reverse it. And you're like, where did that come from? How did you see that? <laughs> um, and, yeah, and another player like that, Rafa Marquez. Rafa Marquez was very like that. You know, you yeah. you think, okay, he's just going to pass it sideways. Now, the next thing he launches it down the wing and sets someone free. Uh, you know, Paul Scholes and, and, you know, Cardona's got that. Cardona's got that ability. And I think Palermo, really, really smart. I think he set up his... his um, Four three one two formation, just giving Cardona that free that that freedom. He's saying, don't you don't have to be playing on the wing, pressing the 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 salida and all that kind of thing. No, just you just sit behind the the front behind the strikers, play your game. You've got three midfielders alongside you or behind you that are going to do the work. You know, Eric Aguirre, Pablo Lopez, Borrito, Victor Guzman at different times. And and you just do your thing. You just get on the ball. You be the playmaker, and it's it's really worked. So um, so I'm quite excited actually to see uh, what Palermo can do next season. But um, but yeah, that, that that's an aside. And yeah, I, I just thought he got the better of Tuca tactically. Um, and feeding into the classical regio, you know, I think Alonso and Monterrey are a team that also have Tigres' number to a degree. I mean, it's that's not saying oh yeah they're definitely going to win or anything like that, but. The fact Monterrey press high, the fact that they like play, playing on the transitions, um, I, I don't think Tigres like it. I think Tigres prefer teams that kind of want to want to kind of come come at them, want to kind of do the same and be possession based, because then then that's when the individual qualities of the Tigres players come through. But uh, but with Monterrey right now, um, you know they, they know exactly what they're doing, and I think pressing high and stopping Tigres playing out the back is where is where Tigres have problems. And, and, I think, and I think Alonso knows that, and that's what they're going to do again. I think too, when you're when you're looking at that Monterrey roster, I mean, you look at you know Pizarro. He obviously scored the game winner the other night that helped them go through. Charlie Rodriguez. I mean, just what a revelation that player is, and what a, what an option to have right there. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. Um, just quickly. There's a story that um, a Manchester United scout was watching him oh, um, over the weekend, and 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 it, I think it's one of those stories where I think there's a guy who kind of works for Man United and he was at the game and he was watching the game. And they kind of said, "Oh no, he's, uh, he's he's watching Carlos Rodriguez," and we don't know that, but obviously it, it would make sense because the season that he's having is out almost out of this world. You know, he's been absolutely brilliant. Are you sure some like some like fan was over there and saw Beck and just saw some like some like very like well dressed <laughs> white guy, and they're just yeah, like, "Oh man, 
Manchester United scout. You sure? Yeah, because apparently uh, Beck was at the game. Uh, <laughs> but anywho, what was, I was he gonna... doing there though? What I don't know. Man. Well, I tried. I tried. I tried putting out a joke because you know, he has that one song, you know, "Que onda wero." So I actually, I, I copied that that tweet of him at the game, and I said "Que onda wero," and no one, no one, it didn't take off or anything. I don't know. I, I, I didn't know he had a song called that though. Yeah, "Que onda wero." Check it out. It's actually pretty good. I like yeah. it. I just know uh, "Devil's Haircut." Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And uh, loser. Loser, that's a good one. Oh, check out Get on the Wedo. Like but, but Monterrey won, so... Uh... <laughs> but but anywho, oh, the player that I was going to bring was, I think, Baro Vero. I think he's been, in a, he's been in a recent good run of form. I don't know, I feel yeah, like it's... No, definitely. definitely. I, think... I remember we talked about it and I said, uh, I think a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and I said, if you were to kind of improve Monterrey, then one of the areas would be goalkeeper. But yeah, to be honest, he's been, you know, in the CONCACAF Champions League as well. He was superb and... I don't know against Nakaxa. He had a few good over saves. both legs, no? Yeah, yeah, but over both legs, he was he was arguably Monterrey's best player over the series. And uh, no, you got to give him credit. He looks full of confidence. Um, and yeah, no, definitely. No, okay, yeah. so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with you first again. Well, because it's just you and me, and there's no one else to talk to unless I like talk to my cat here. <laughs> but I'm gonna ask you because I still have no idea what to really expect from a scoreline here. Uh, but who, who do you think is going to go through? Because I I still have no idea. When it comes to the series, it's just, I, I'm completely lost sometimes. I could just, I, I think it's just so close. It's so incredibly close between these two sides. Yeah, I mean, you can argue both ways. I mean, I think, I think I'll go with Monterrey um, just because I didn't like what I saw from, from Tigres against Nakaxa. Um, they've lost the final and they've not bounced back from that in a major way. You know, but it's going to be a close series. I mean, it'd be a major surprise if there's more than, definitely more than two goals in it, but probably more than one goal in it. I mean, it's just it's so close between these two. Um, you can argue it both ways, though. I mean, the CONCACAF Champions League final, Gignac was on the bench. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously from the kind of um, the atmosphere in, this, from, in the group, you can imagine if Gignac's on the bench, you can imagine them kind of dropping a little bit. Like, why, why would it... But anyway, but from a from a playing point of view, I just think that Monterrey tend to press high, and when a team presses high, you need mm-hmm. you need an option, you need a plan B, and one of the options of plan B is obviously you can go down the wings, but another option is to go up to that striker to kind of jump over the line over the mm-hmm. over the lines and 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 have a different option of how you're going to get the ball forward. And I think if you've got Gignac there, he gives you that option because he's brilliant with his back to goal. Um, and I think that was missing in the CONCACAF Champions League final in the first halves of both games. And so I think Gignac, not just from what he brings and the fact he's you know, within one goal of Thomas Boy's record, but, but the fact tactically what he brings when Tigres are trying to have, get possession, I think, I think they're going to be more effective in possession. Then again, you argue it the other way. You know, yeah. Funes Mori is back now. You know, he's starting to come back. You've got um, Rodolfo Pizarro, who is, he's, I don't know, is he, I don't know if he's, He's, he's definitely back to Chivas peak form. I don't know if he's gone beyond it, but he's he's just an absolute handful. He's dictating play now. He's scoring goals like the one against Nakaxa and you know Monterrey. I mean, it shows. It says a lot about his his quality that that a team with so many top players as Monterrey are looking to play the ball through Pizarro. I mean, you know, again, he's been given that kind of free role, you know, in in a in a four two three one, and and he's just he's, he's just absolutely thriving and he's loving it um he looks he looks like he's really enjoying playing again now so um so yeah i mean you can argue it both ways I, I'm, I'm gonna go just about monterrey but um 
just be, just because I don't think Tigres have responded in the right way to that CONCACAF Champions League. But then again, you know, Monterrey against Nakaxa, Dolan Pavong should have been sent off. I mean, he elbowed, he elbowed the guy in the face. I don't know how the VAR didn't spot that, but, you know, um, and they didn't look absolutely didn't look great, did they? But, um, no. but, but I don't know. I, I'm just going right out. What about you? Yeah, there's nothing analytical <laughs> about my response. There's nothing analytical about the way that I'm thinking about this just because I think it's so close. I think, yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, if we are going to bring up uh, something a little bit more analytical, I think, yeah, the 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 presence of Gignac in this semifinal is so crucial, and especially like how you talked about right there about having that option who can kind of like find his way past that back line find some, someone who's a little bit more physical, someone who's great in the air, someone who did score that goal and something that was somewhat similar to what you said there about like Gadioka, you know, you know, hitting the ball, you know, like up in the air, you know, try to get a little bit past the back line. Yeah, I, there had to be some sort of defensive mistake for it to happen, but Chignac did find the back of the net. But once again, I think I, I, just because I made the prediction earlier, <laughs> saying that the loser of the CCL final, they're going to be the ones who lift uh, this league's League of Equis title. I know there's, yeah, that's once again, that's not analytical. There's nothing, anything that fascinating about that. But I still, I don't know. It, it's it's a very, very simple answer here. But in my mind, I feel like there there has to be some sort of motivation there from Thuka for someone like Ejinyak, who clearly, since arriving to to Tigris, I mean, he's, he's just completely embraced you know, the, you know, the identity of being a Tigres player just loves to step up in those uh, classical regios. He's probably, you know, really still a little frustrated about missing, uh, not missing uh, entirely because obviously he came on as a as a as a sub, but just missing those uh, that last classical regio as a starter. So I, I, I think just that little difference in my mind, uh, I, I think that's why I see them going through it. I think it's going to be just as close as a, as a Leon uh, Club America series, but I know, but but I but I but in general though I I have I genuinely don't know who's gonna go through. But once again, it's just it's not very analytical. But it's just after that CCL loss, I, I think it's just Tigres who who just squeezes past them. Yeah, but oh yeah, yeah, it's 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 a close one. It's gonna be good. I mean, I don't know. I think I think we tend to kind of I don't know. We've we've seen this classical Ricky now. You know, quite a few, quite a few times over, and we get hyped about each time. So it's, I don't know, it, it does get more difficult. It's like when Chivas in America a couple of years back were just playing like every week, and you know, it does get diffi- more difficult to, to hype it. But I mean, th- these are sen- seminal games. I mean, I don't know, arguably some of the best, highest quality games Liga MX has ever seen when Tigre and Monterrey playing. To be honest, I mean, at, at least that's how I see it. Yeah, it'll be the perfect little appetizer for the battle. Uh, Game of Thrones on Sunday. It's funny. I don't even like. I don't even care about Game of Thrones that much until this season. And I just like started watching the background, and I kind of got into it. I got like tickets for like some events out here that's gonna be like showing Game of Thrones. But anywho, who who cares about that? Actually, a lot of people. Too many people. But Tom, what's up? King in the North. <laughs> Who's gonna be King of the North? There you go. That's what I should have said. Ah, whatever. But uh, Tom, let's uh, let's go over to the national team. Let's go over to some news regarding El Tri. Looks like there's going to be a press conference tomorrow, so that's on Tuesday. So apologies if you're if you're listening to this pod on Wednesday, if you're listening to this pod on Tuesday night, and you're already well aware of this news. But it's going to be with Tata Martino and Tom. It looks like uh, all signs point to this uh, us likely or potentially seeing a Gold Cup roster being announced. Yeah, I mean uh, Raúl Godinho, Jonathan Orozco, and Alexis Vega are, are all there already in Mexico City, training on their own, three <laughs> three players training, um, getting a head start. But yeah, I, I thought it'd be later in the week, but now it makes sense because obviously 
with players dropping out of the playoffs, um, you know, they'll they'll Martino want to want to get him there as as quickly as possible. Um, so yeah, I imagine that some some other players will be joining Tuesday evening, and we'll find out the full squad. I mean, you know, we already know Herrera, Hector Herrera, is out. He's he's asked permission to leave. Um, I don't know. There's different ways of reading it. I mean, you completely understand the player. I think since 2012, he's played every summer. You know, he's not had a break, and so you kind of and and he's moving clubs. So you kind of you know, it's easy to understand his point of view. Um, you know, my my only thing. Well, there's a couple of things. My only th- since the World Cup, he's not been there anywhere. He's not been. You know, yeah. and I just wonder. You look. You go back to that party, and there are still rumors. I, I you know I, I hear rumors that. He wasn't happy, you know. He wasn't happy with how that was dealt with, um, and and he missed the March games as well because he was doing his passport, you know, passport stuff in Portugal, and then this time around he's like oh, I'm moving clubs. I um, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to kind of be the you know fuel the kind of gossip mongering, but um, bomba like it is. Herrera is <laughs> not going because he hates the Mexican national team. Bomba. From at Mexico World Cup. Is that what you're saying? Bomba, Tom? bombazo. <laughs> Otro bombazo. No, <laughs> no but uh, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, people will talk about that. We'll, we'll see how it goes moving forward. On the playing point of view, for me, I think he's probably Mexico's best player. I don't know. But, I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't think there's much in it between him, kind of probably Lozano these days and. And then uh, Raul Jimenez is probably creeping up, isn't he, at this point? But um, but yeah, so that's 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 what I think. Um, and then obviously Carlos Vela, is he? Isn't he? You know, the report saying that he's not going to be there. You know, Lozano will be included, but then they'll, they're gonna they're gonna kind of see how he's how he develops in terms of his recuperation from the injury. And then Tecatito, is he going to be there? And then um, Chicharito's not going to be there. Oh. You know, all the reports suggest that he's not going to be there. So, it's a, it's a it's a bit of a difficult summer to be honest for Tata. It's actually, I know I'm rambling on here, but it's been a difficult few months um, because if you look at the federation, he only took over in January, and since then, Dennis Diklos has left for LA Galaxy. You've had uh, Guillermo Cantu is going to be leaving after the Gold Cup. Um, you've had the, the Tecatito thing going on in March. And then now you've got all this stuff with, you know, some, I mean, think about it. Chicharito, Lozano, Herrera, Tecatito, Vela. I mean, these are some of the like the best players, you know what I mean? Yeah, Tom, but they're not, they're not going to the Confederations Cup. They're not going to the World Cup. They're going up against, like, Cuba, Canada, Martinique. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I get it. I definitely get it. Like, and, and I'm... As and I know a lot of fans will be very disappointed. Like maybe they're gonna because I'm sure a lot of fans will be wanting to see Chicharito, yeah. the big names. And I know but, there's but, uh, there's something significant about about Tata having those players in the camp. But I don't think the exact Mexico it will be okay without without those. Options. No, yeah, They'll for sure, for sure. I'm I'm just thinking from Tata's point of view. I mean, he takes over in January, does the press conference, and then you know then there's players not coming for different reasons, and then and then kind of. In the background, you've got two of the guys, two of the main guys, the two main guys who hired you for this position, are just gone. Um, so I don't know. I, I can't imagine he's, he's that delighted with with how things have gone so far. But obviously, there's the. I mean, it is the goal cup, like you said. I mean, yeah. the, the quality isn't great, and I think other other players can potentially step up. Although you know, you can make the same argument. How much are you going to learn about Carlos Rodriguez against Martinique? You know. Um, 
that, that that's the only thing. But it is what it is. I mean, Mexico's in Concacaf. Now what you can do about it. So, but yeah, it it, it, it won't be he won't be delighted that that you know some of his best players aren't there for sure. Yeah, and I, I know we can really like dive into this for quite a long time, but I guess, and maybe my perspective is a little too much on just the tournament itself as opposed to the bigger picture regarding Tata. But I just look at the roster and you realize, I mean, yeah, Guardado's still going to be there. Your Jimenez is probably still going to be there. You know, Ochoa, Moreno, Salsa, Salcedo, Araujo, Layun, you know, Edson Alvarez if he's healthy. I don't know. I, I think. And I think when you look at some of those younger slash upcoming options who could potentially have a good opportunity to get playing time, and whether it be uh, Bizarro, whether it be Eric Gutierrez, you know, Charlie Rodriguez, you know, like I'm actually pretty excited to see them being given these opportunities up against, you know, a, a Canada or a Martinique or a Cuba. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of looking forward to that, actually. Like it's yeah, it seems like. It seems like yeah, it's a big setback for Mexico if all those players are missing. And who knows? Maybe it's just going to be Herrera and Chicharito in the end, and that's about it. But even if, if all those options were, were missing, as opposed to this being a setback, I think it's more so of an opportunity for, for some of those you know up, younger and up-and-coming players. And you know maybe I'm trying to write something about this and pitching an idea to a few editors about <laughs> this idea. But, but I, I, I think that's, 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 that's what comes to mind for me, I don't know, as, as someone who's looking towards this, uh, this new World Cup cycle. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's not the Copa America, is it? But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just worry about the president, the president, you know, that, that's the thing. Herrera pulls out this time. Chicharito pulls out this time. You know, where, where's where's the line? Why you know, Araujo does he not deserve a break? I don't know. You know what I mean? And I think I think for players sometimes, you know, they they do have to think about the personal lives and all that. But I don't know. We've seen that Martino has been very strict as well with um, you know Tecatito in in March, for example. So well, we'll see we'll see how it plays out. But I mean, in terms of it will Mexico have a squad to compete, of course. You know what I mean? It's hundred uh, percent. Although I would say that it's, it's pretty impossible to emplace a player um, of Hector Herrera's quality. Yeah. Yeah, but then once again, the opposition. I, I get, but then again, who knows? Once once Mexico inevitably faces the United States in the final, maybe we'll be having a, an entirely different conversation as well. Because of course, the whole point isn't it isn't a success if you finish in the semis. It's a success if you if you just finish in the final. The whole point of the tournament for either Mexico or the United States is to win the tournament. Uh, almost the group stage is completely irrelevant. It's it's just literally lifting the title and ha- missing those players. I mean. That's when you would definitely see a potential huge negative, uh, you know, impact when you go up against a side like the U.S. men's national team, which is to be expected in the final. But who knows? Obviously, we've seen different results in the past, a.k.a. Canada winning in 2000. That was bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bizarre. But anywho, uh, Tom, Tom, any other thoughts about that? Maybe even to, uh, before we move on to our last little segment here, I, w- I wanted to talk quickly on Jimenez and Chicharito. But anything on, on L3 before we move on? Uh, not really, not really. I think um, obviously the squad. Um, well, I don't think there's going to be many many surprises. Um, and yeah, you know, I think in some ways those games against Venezuela and uh, who is it, Ecuador, are, are going to uh, be uh, probably. Dude, I'm, I could tell probably. you any, anything about Mexico when you ask me the next opponents, I'm the worst. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I think you know Ecuador and, and Venezuela. Uh, well, Venezuela and then Ecuador is... Yes, so Venezuela uh, on June 5th, Ecuador on June 9th. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways those are, those are bigger games than, you know, 
the the group stage in the, the Gold Cup. You know what I mean? <laughs> because because those both both those teams will be preparing properly for the Copa America. So you know, I think you know that's another thing to look for. We'll see if Martino as well names a bigger squad because I think that's something he could do. Bring the group together and then. When it comes to the Gold Cup, then you know, cut a few names. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if he does that. Yeah, and that's something that, like, obviously he he's still allowed to do that. Yeah, he has to eventually whittle it down to twenty-three players. And yeah, and if I remember correctly, uh, unlike other past Gold Cups, you can't have ad- additional players after the group stage, right? It's just the twenty-three you go in, or the twenty-three you have to stick with the entire tournament, right? Yeah, yeah, they have to stay now. Which the last one is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that was a little crazy. I mean, Mexico didn't actually do it, but the states were like, uh, some of the t- they just like rested the best players and then like, okay, big games now, come on in. And it's like, what? I don't know. But anyways, it's good that Concacaf have done that. Yeah. But anywho, Todd, let's uh, let's move on. Let's let's close things out with a quick little conversation. I think we got like about eight minutes left here. Uh, I mean, I think now that the EPL season is over, we got to talk about Jimenez. And Chicharito, maybe some thoughts, you know, on their on their recent tournaments. You know, maybe maybe this is a question I'm gonna. This is how we'll close out. Maybe with a little conversation regarding them, but I think we should each give them a grade uh, for how they did this season. And I'll start with Raúl Jiménez. So he had 13 goals and seven assists uh, in the EPL. Uh, it was interesting too. I was looking at some stat where he like averaged like about one clearance per game uh, and almost had like 0.7 interceptions per game. So that was actually kind of interesting. Some of the defensive work he's done. But I mean, I think it's fairly simple with someone like Jiménez who. Really, I think uh, almost exceeded expectations with Wolves, and I'm going to go with uh, an A, close to an A plus too, actually. Raúl Jiménez, uh, but I mean, just what a season he had. Arguably the top striker uh, outside of a uh, from a team that outside of the top six. You know, there's a Wolves side that could potentially go to the Europa League too, depending on the FA Cup result uh, for for Man City. And if Man City win, then Wolves will go through to the Europa League. And uh, I mean, what a finish for him and the side too. And wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I don't know if they've already voted on the player this season. Maybe they already have, and it was someone like Connor Cody, or maybe uh, maybe like Diogo like Jota. But wouldn't surprise me if, if someone like him was recognized as the player of the season for them. But I mean, I mean, just 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 what a tournament for Raúl Jiménez over in England. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think he played in all thirty-eight games as well. Um, I think there's only twenty-nine players in the Premier League to do that. So you know, it shows how important he was. Um, but yeah, 13 goals scored, level with Chicharito's first season with United, which I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, secretly, <laughs> I'm sure secretly he would have he would have wanted to surpass that. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think um, you know he scored more goals than like Rashford than Lukaku than Firmino. I mean, all these things are like if you'd have said that at the start of the, you know, the kind of at the start of the season, then he would have taken it. Um, you know, I think what a goal every two hundred and forty minutes. I mean, it's not it's not the best, you know. Uh, yeah, but, but he was also creating. Yeah, exactly. You know, he was he's also creating chances. I think I think he created forty two um, over the over the season, and that that was more. He actually created more chances than any other Wolves player. Um, you know, seven assists. That was sixteenth in the in the Premier League. His goal scored was tenth. So you know, you add those two together, and you get you know over thirty eight games. He's got twenty goals or assists, which is. Um, you know, which is good. It's good for a team like Wolves. It's it's good. Um, and if you look outside the top six teams, I think there's only Vardy and Callum Wilson um, from Bournemouth who who actually scored more goals than him. So yeah, a, a good season, I'd say. Um, you know, A minus. Um, oh, look at Tom. Crit- <laughs> so critical. <laughs> no, I mean, actually, I like what Chicharito said. Um, 
I don't know, Chicharito, I don't know what's going on with him right now, but I know he's got orange hair. <laughs> but, but I mean, um, but he said in an interview with Fox the other couple of weeks back, he was like, um, you know, why, why, I don't know why he gets so angry about it. I honestly don't know, understand why he's, why he gets like kind of mad, but it's like, why do, why does, why everyone in Mexico compare, you know, Raul with me? I mean, why, why do they always put us together? I mean, we should be, we should be, you know, wanting the best for every Mexican player everywhere. And, you know, um, you know, Raul should be now looking to kind of Aguero and Salah and all these, like the top, top players. And it's like, you know, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Raul Jimenez now, after one season, you know, I know it sounds, I know it sounds kind of ultra demanding, but why not? You know, he's proven himself. He knows, and he knows the standard now. You know, he knows the manager that he's got. He knows the other players. He's settled. His English is is very, very good. You know, I've been really impressed with his level of English. Um, and and why not? You know, why not step it up next season? You know, why not instead of thirteen goals get to seventeen, eighteen? You know, and be and then be challenging as you know the top five goal scorers in the league. I mean, it's a big, big ask, but I mean, I think he's, I think he's everything's, everything's in place because he plays for a team that, that um, play to his style. You know, he's been, he's been brought in because he fits a function within that team. Um, and, and as a player and especially as a striker, I don't think you can't ask much more. So yeah, why not? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Chicharito, stop, start, no. Yeah, I mean, I guess the difficult thing with him, too, is just uh, like, all right, so numbers, seven goals, one assist, uh, only 14 starts. But, I mean, it just seems like there is a lot going on off the field with the guy. And I do kind of feel bad and also somehow happy. It must have been such a bittersweet last several months for the guy. Because, yeah, I mean, he recently got married. That was over here, actually pretty close to where I'm at right now in Chula Vista, next to San Diego. He got married. I mean, he's going to have a he's going to have a kid this summer. But at the same time, you you look back at the beginning of the season. You know, he had some he had that really long illness where he was out for quite some time. You know, he he's had injury problems as well. So it's off the field. It seems like there's just a lot going on with the guy, and maybe it shouldn't be that much of a shock that he he only had seven goals and one assist and didn't have that many starts. You know, maybe he wasn't given enough minutes either, many opp- enough opportunities by Pellegrini either. So I guess I know keeping that all in mind. I mean, a C, you know, maybe C. It's passing because, it, but it's not exactly that great. Uh, you know, it wasn't exactly at the level that you wanted him to be at. But at the same time, you're not going to give him a D or an F just because it seems like there was just a lot going on off the field for the guy. You know, and I kind of, I, I kind of feel for him to be honest. No, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll agree with you, C. Um, you know, yeah, it was just a shame with the injuries. I think at times in the season, he looked really good. Um, I think the the game that he started in March, I can't remember if it was Paraguay or Chile, but he looked really good in that game. And and you know I've said it for a while now, but I think his all round Chicharito's all round game is so much better than it was. Um, yeah. What he needs now is what he got at Bayer Leverkusen, which is you know like Raúl's got. You know he's playing a play, to play in a team that suits him, that that he is is the focal point of the attack, that he's going to be starting, that he know he can miss a couple of chances and he's not going to be taken out like it seems, you know, that's happened basically at West Ham as well. Um, but, you know, the thing with Chicharito is, after all the, you know, the, the ups and downs this season, and, you know, he's only scored seven goals, but he scored once every 191 minutes. So he's scoring yeah. a goal every two games again. Yeah. And it's like, that's pretty good. I mean, and I just think... You know, I went back to England recently, and that's his reputation now. You know, he, he's basically, he might not be a starter. 
he's got his limitations as a player, but he'll give you goals. You know what I mean? And 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 it won't it wouldn't be totally surprising to me if he moves on, um, stays in England somewhere, but moves on to another club, um, because I I don't I don't think he, I don't think he's ready to move to MLS. You know I think his his wife's having the kid I think in in June, so that's you know that's not long away. It's it's difficult to move houses and stuff with you you know a newborn kid. Um, I think he's happy in in London. I'm sure you know I think she's from Australia. Uh, but I think she's probably pretty settled in the UK as well. Um, and so to move over to the States, go back to Mexico or go to another country is difficult. But it wouldn't surprise me if he moved within the Premier League because I think there's there's teams that, you know, as long as he's not asking for ridiculous money, I think there are teams that, there are a lot of teams in the Premier League that would, would snap up Chicharito still. Oh, yeah. No, and I think that over there he's still very well respected, you know, and I think it's not like this is a guy who's, I mean, he's not in his like mid thirties just yet. I mean, he turned he only turned thirty early this year, so he is still fairly young. You know, I'm not I'm not going to say that he is an up and coming player. Obviously, that's not him anymore. He's now in his thirties, but I think there's still a number of uh, very good European teams that could still utilize a player like that. I think it's no wonder why you heard those rumors about what was it? I think it was Valencia. Valencia were potentially interested in him. I think there was oh, yeah. like a one rumor. So I, I think there's there's going to be no lack of options for him for him abroad. And like you said, yeah, I mean, there were instances this season where he was at his best when he was healthy, when he was given starts too. Let, let's remember that too. Cause he only had, I think it was, yeah, 14 starts where he did look fairly healthy, where he did look, I mean, once again, it's, it's easy to forget what someone like Chicharito, you know, it's easy to forget that he, he is still a fantastic finisher. And like you said, his well, uh, he's become so much more well-rounded too. And there is like a level of professionalism too. He just seems a little bit more, I mean, despite his orange hair where, where now I guess we should be calling him like, <laughs> orange you know, like hair don't care. We have to be calling me like Cheetorito, you know, because it looks like a Cheeto. But like, I feel like he, he does seem a lot more mature as well. So I think he does have like a, he seems to be a lot more confident. Yeah. I think he's more mature as a player. I don't know what to feel. <laughs> I mean, he's got, he's got married, just, he's just gone out of camp and got married. He's got orange uh, I don't know. I don't, I think he's going through like a, like a kind of mini midlife crisis or whatever. Before, is he hanging out with that one, like oh, a that one friend Rufus or something, Diego Dreyfus or something like that, where he just like That's makes him do weird stuff where he's like, we're really like, don't afraid to be you, but he's like saying it in Spanish. And then like him and Chicharito is out like doing like funny stuff. And there's like acting weird. I don't know. Maybe it's that Diego Dreyfus guy. We should, we should talk to that guy and see where Chicharito's going to go next. <laughs> he is. I don't know. <laughs> Don't know who that guy is, me. But he always shows up <laughs> at Chicharito's like social media, and for some yeah. odd reason, I mean, I know we should be wrapping up. For some odd reason, like so you'll see like Chicharito like training with West Ham, and then that one like buddy of his is like on the field like taking pics. It's like, dude, like <laughs> how are you allowed there? Like who, who let you in, man? Who let this guy in? I don't know who that guy is, me. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Probably shouldn't say too much about him though. But anyways, <laughs> but anywho, Tom. Uh, any any. So this, this is the end of our. Our, our our first new edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I mean, once again, like I said, we're under a different format here. It's a nice little, I guess it's like a soft opening. Like, you know how there's like a soft opening for like new restaurants that aren't officially open just yet because it's just you and me, but eventually we're going to have the full uh, same cast. Thing crop. No, I'm not saying. No, I'm not saying it's a crap. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a software. We're gonna have the, the the we're gonna have the full cast. Uh, on saying, the... We we will get better. I promise you, we will get better. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, it will we're, improve. We're, we're we're Rochdale. We're Rochdale. You know, we 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 have the potential to work our way up. You know, we just we just need a little bit more. Inv- I have no idea. I, I don't know anything about Rochdale. There you go. <laughs> but Tom, it, your 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 final thoughts uh, before before we close out today's episode. Final thoughts on anything? Liga MX, Altri, whatever. 
Um, I've not really got many thoughts that I haven't uh, said already. So yeah, Mexico <laughs> City on Wednesday, and they go there for uh, for the up until Sunday Monday. Um, trying to go try to go to America against Leon. Nice so time. yeah. Looking forward to it. Honestly, really looking forward to these semi-finals. Um, you know, I think because they come around every six months, sometimes I don't. Know, there's times you get more excited than others, no? But I think this these ones particularly are just I don't know. You've got the big club America. You've got the best team right now, Leon. You've got the two classical regios who are both kind of vying to you know establish themselves as you know making history basically. Um, and so I don't know. It's just a great. There's a great mixture of teams right in there right now. All right. So thank you, Tom. That wraps up today's episode. And once again, thank you to listeners as well. We're, we're clearly trying something new with the Mexican soccer show. And hopefully this audio only format will be easier for you to download and uh, listen to all of our podcasts and all of our episodes. So, of course, let us know any of your thoughts. Uh, give us a uh, review and rating on iTunes and uh, we'll see you next time. See you guys around.